Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. I am Marie, and I am here with my good friend, Amanda. We are excited to talk to you today. Hey, everyone. Good to hear hear you, see you, be here with you. We're so excited to be here with you today. <laughs> we <laughs> took a week off you. last week, and it can, <laughs> you can tell. Um, we're so thrilled to jump in today and kind of talk to you a little bit about what's been going on in our lives as we've reflected on the major movement happening in our country with Black Lives Matter and how we've been internalizing, being active, all of the above. We've got a lot to share with you about that and kind of how we're going to channel our energy into the summer and reflect on our practice. Absolutely. Yes. So today we are going to be talking about how to grow professionally on summer break as educators, not just in our teaching strategy, but also in our content. And we are excited to jump in. So shall we? Um, Make sure you guys stick around to the end of the episode today. We've got one major teacher professional development event coming for you in August. So we want to tell you all about that at the very end. But without any further ado, here we go. Cue the music. listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. (laughs) 
All right, everybody, let's get into this. We have some great resources for you. We have some just things that we are excited to learn from and learn about. And before we get into that, though, let's talk about the little break that we've been taking from our own content. Amanda, what have you been doing over the past week? So over the past week, I've been really trying to do a lot of things in terms of coming to terms with myself and my understanding of what anti-biased and anti-racial education really looks like. Um, I just talked about on Instagram today. It had never occurred to me this term anti-racist. And so I was reflecting a lot on how I have done a very good job pretending to be (laughs) a part of the solution and very forward thinking. I know Marie, you've talked about that too. And you know, I really viewed myself as someone who was already doing the work. And and in a lot of ways, I think that, you know, both Marie and I, we have been doing a lot of this work and very intentional in bringing to light, uh, bringing to light issues of injustice to our classrooms. Um, But over the past week, I've learned a lot from other people. I've learned to sit back and listen better because that's always something that I struggle with is listening. And so I've done a a lot of that and a lot of reading and I really am excited to talk today with you guys about the product of that listening, reading, and learning. Um, so was that kind of a similar experience for you too, Marie? Um, yes. We were talking before we started recording and I was saying how I hadn't shown my face on social media and it wasn't because I, mean, I know that a lot of people weren't on social media last week for a lot of different reasons. We were as an educational community, I'm going to speak more to like the educational side of social media because that's really like where we are at together. Um, we as educators, many of us joined together to amplify black voices and amplify melanated voices in order to spread resources and experiences and voices of those who are marginalized. I have always thought of myself as, uh, like Amanda said, also a forward-thinking educator. And I don't think that I'm not a forward-thinking educator, but I think that I was very comfortable in my own privilege. That's That's been a lot of the reflection is it's like, Marie, you just weren't doing that great. Like, I just wasn't doing well enough by my students, by my own sense of what right, and by my fellow humans. And so I'm excited to talk about different types of resources today that both have to do with anti-bias and anti-racist work in education and even just like personally, but also bringing those in with really rich and effective teaching strategies. That has been a lot of what I've been looking at is like not just the what, but the how. And I know that that's what you've been looking at too, Amanda. Well, right, because here, here's the here's where we are, right? This is uh, Black Lives Matter has pushed this conversation into the foreground, rightfully so and importantly so. Um, but my my worry and what I would caution teachers to think about is is if you're going to jump on this train and you're going to be part of the solution and you're going to check your privilege, you're going to you know take the time that it takes to learn and fix and change all the things that need to be changed proceed with caution. Yes. And remember that we have to, when, when we're talking about racism in the classroom and when we're approaching these subjects, for a lot of us, for maybe the first time as an educator, we need to do so thoughtfully and with uh, intention. And I think that that's something that I would like to share with you guys today. And an important part of your 
pedagogical growth this summer needs to be, like Marie said, both in anti-racist education, but also in your own teaching practice, because you can't just throw together a random lesson on racism. You're going to do a lot more damage than good if the lesson itself is not structured well, if we're going to just throw a bunch of books in a lit circle and call our work done. I mean, there are a lot of things that can, you know, maybe look like you're trying, but they're not really going to help the cause. And please remember, everybody, that we know very well, A, this is not a new conversation, but that a lot of the masses, a lot of the white masses are new to it, and we are completely cognizant of our own place in that. We also know that this is a continuum as humans, as Americans, as just citizens of the world. It's a continuum, and there's growth to be done. I think, personally, I can keep growing and growing and growing, and if I'm not still learning and growing, then I'm dead. Um, The other thing is, just because we and many other professionals out there are saying proceed with caution doesn't mean slow down. It doesn't mean don't proceed. It means do so mindfully and, do, and, and, and make sure that it sits right with you, right? If you can sit down and say, am I doing the very best that I can as an educator, since that's really like our niche that we're talking about here? Am I doing my very best as a teacher in the classroom? Am I doing the right thing by my students? That's the question that we need to be able to like hold up mirror up and answer truthfully. And that's why we want to talk about some great places to start. So let's start with number one. Number one, I think on a lot of people's lists right now in the English teaching community is letting go of literary whiteness. So a lot of these things that Marie and I were just talking about have actually, that conversation spins out of what these two women have done in their research um, in looking at curriculum, looking at the tradition of a white male canon, looking at the ways in which we can approach these conversations in our classroom. Um, I'm about three chapters in. And I was just telling Marie, it's because after every chapter, I'm kind of like going back to my curriculum map and looking at things. And I think one of the most valuable, there's a couple of valuable things so far that I'm gaining from this book. One is the goal of letting go of literary whiteness is not to abandon all the classics. That is not the argument being made here. Um, she, neither, neither author um, suggests that everyone ditches to kill a mockingbird. Um, sure, I mean, you might consider that it's, it's a problem if it's the only representation of a Black story in your curriculum, but they encourage teachers to think about really aligning a strong essential question with the unit and teaching the kids to figure out what the problem is. Hey, Amanda, I feel like I might know why you're connecting so well with this book. Did you just say the words essential question? <laughs> I mean, when like in like the foreword, basically these ladies are arguing like essential questions and inquiry-based instruction is the foundation of anti-racist education. I was like, I feel like you've never been so seen. (laughs) I I was like, Oh, hello sisters. Um, And like, but like, no, duh, not to be super, super elitist here, but no, duh. We're like, no crap. Huh? I mean, I had never, never (laughs) seen someone else spell it out, but it was really nice to have that confirmed for me because absolutely. Right. That's the goal is is we're not coming here to like completely like trash old curriculum or even we get defensive over some of these books that we love. And and they just really encourage teachers to think about, okay, why this book? Why this time? And are our kids getting the whole picture? That's always my question is who is this for? 
Is yes. this for the teacher? Or is this for the students? So let's yes. always, and that sounds, I, well, I'm going to put that one on my list. Here I go. <laughs> she, she does a really nice job. And I was also talking to Marie before we started. She gives these really, um, that both of the authors sat in and watched some teachers teach lessons where they attempted to tackle racial objectives or race, racial literacy is what they call it. And, um, and the trans, the transcript, transcribes, transcriptions, transcriptions <laughs> of these conversations between teachers and student and like the stumbling over how to navigate those waters felt, Ooh, man, like gut wrenchingly familiar. And they really offer some nice strategies to help you navigate those discussions. Like in one of the early chapters, they give a, a segment where they talk about a teacher presenting a uh, satirical political cartoon and the teacher trying to have a conversation about colorblindness and about character and how hard it was for her. But then they say like, this is where she messed up. This is where you can change. And this is where you can start in a different place and end in a different place. So I really appreciated those anecdotal moments. Um, she also gives you a really nice framework for thinking about racial literacy as a thing. That's another kind of mind-blowing concept that had never entered my educational pedagogical vocabulary and that I'll be adding moving forward. As like a standard. Yes. A set of standards. Objectives. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Objectives and standards. Yeah. Yep. Part of the, um, today's objective is to tackle colorblindness. Like what is it? Absolutely. I, my first book that I want to share with you guys is one that has been circulating and circulating and circulating social media and is sold out just about everywhere. And the only reason I haven't cracked it open yet is because I just got it in the mail yesterday. It's stamped um, the version, the remix version of Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism, and You. It's um, the original is by Ibram X. Kendi, and this is the one with Jason Reynolds. It's the remix, like I said. And so if you guys can get your hands on it, I had to get a hardback copy. Actually, I don't know if it's in paperback. I think it's still new enough. Um, but it's about how to face the things we're talking about, how to ask those hard questions, and how to do so in a meaningful way um, and like what to do with that defensiveness that comes up. And like, it even says on the back, like it's not a history book. It's, it's a book about humanity. Like it's about now. And so I am ready for this work. I have a bunch of other ones too, but this is where I am starting. That's on my list too, Marie. Yeah. Um, I think for that. number three on the list of our recommendations for the summer, um, we are actually going to be featuring a few more interviews on the podcast coming up in the, in the upcoming school year. And one interview that we are really looking forward to is with um, someone named Aninya Kundu. And uh, Mr. Kundu teaches uh, in New York in, um, at SUNY, and he has a book coming out that is called The Power of Student Agency. And this book and this interview, I'm so excited to have because these are the researchable and tangible strategies for helping close the opportunity gap. So this book is all about looking beyond grit. Because I think sometimes the argument we feel like in our classroom is like, if you just try harder, you'll get there. If you just you focus. Grit, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you got grit, you're going to get there. And so he's actually taken quite a bit of research and a lot of uh, experience looking at um, what students and teachers are doing all across the country. He sent us a few of the early chapters to look through. So it's, the book is not going to be released until the end of June, beginning of July. So I have yet to read it, but I am really looking forward to this interview and learning more about like non-pedagogical side of teaching, which is how to help kids 
really kind of help themselves and really learn more about what student agency is, especially mm-hmm. in our communities where kids need help with that. That's I'm really looking forward to this book. There's a lot of learned helplessness. And that is something that I'm excited in our interview to talk about is that agency and beyond grit and getting through the learned helplessness that our students, by the time they make it to us, <laughs> it's pretty deep <laughs> by high school. So yeah, no, I think that'll be really good. Um, I have another for our list, and this is straight up about ELA teaching strategies and curriculum design. This is called A Novel Approach. It's by Kate Roberts. It's not brand new. It's been around the block a little bit. It's been around for a couple of years, Um, but this book is a straight up ELA PD book all about taking the class novel and creating student-centered approaches to a class novel. So it is like planning and curriculum and teaching strategies with examples, with sample uh, calendars, with different sorts of activities that can go along with these strategies. I highly enjoyed it. Um, And there's another of my favorite books, which I know you're going to talk about, Amanda, that is in the same vein of flipping the way that we do all class reading. So I don't know. Is that what it's about? The one that you're going to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. See, okay. So I have, (laughs) I have a book in my hands, you guys, that I haven't read yet. And I'm dying to, (laughs) because of course it's like, it's like the perfect two handed size too, which makes, I really like that. Oh, it's, it's great. I read it last summer. Should we tell them what it is? (laughs) Oh yeah, we should. So without further making your anticipation salivating over there, um, we are going to look at no more fake reading. And the subtitle is merging the classics with independent reading to create joyful lifelong readers by Barrett Gordon. Um, I am always really hesitant about books like this. So I want to see what all the hype is, Marie. It's good. So on my YouTube channel and on my blog, I have a few things and things that I'm actually going to be working on this summer about literature circles, but really thematic book clubs and book clubs that tie into a central text where students are reading their own book. And it also ties thematically to a central all class text of some sort. And that's how I've been running my class for the last year and a half, couple of years. That all stems from both a novel approach and especially from no more fake reading. There are a lot of strategy and just a lot of eye-opening philosophies about reading, why we do reading, how we can do reading, and how to put student choice and student-centered approaches at the forefront of our planning and like our curriculum design. And that's what I really liked about that book. Well, so here, I'm going to be Amanda here for a second. Okay. Oh, what were you before? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, who have I been talking to? (laughs) Um, this is where you may or may not be glad that you guys are listening to this podcast. So I am maybe, I don't know, one of one in a million English teachers that is very reticent and hesitant to go gangbusters with independent reading. So I am here. So here's the deal. I see, I've seen firsthand, and this is going to sound horrible maybe, or maybe it's going to sound real. That's what I'm telling. I'm just going to tell you what I've seen. I see more teachers in real life, not in social media, but in real life, using independent reading as a way 
to not have to plan, teach, or do anything in a class period. It's like sitting your kids in front of a TV. No, I know the phenomenon of which you speak. It's a book to babysit the class. Oh my gosh. And it just makes me absolutely crazy. Um, I see it too. Like I see a lot of teachers, uh, and again, this is not anyone in particular, but I've seen the first 10 minutes of class silent reading, um, heralded as the end all be all of how to do it. And I've also seen the first 10 minutes of every class, 50 minutes a week, a complete and total waste of education. So I always get very nervous about these books because I feel like they're misread by teachers. They're misread by well-meaning teachers who want to give kids a chance to do independent reading and connect with things that they love. Um, But I have a lot of fears about that. I mean, I really, I'm not married to classics, but I am very passionate about giving kids very challenging things, things that stretch them. And I get nervous about the English community as a whole getting so far on the independent reading bandwagon that we forget how important it is to still present kids with books and things that stretch them that they don't like, that they don't connect to. I think that's incredibly valuable. So that's kind of why I think this book is so intriguing to me because of this subheading, which is this idea of merging these two experiences together. And that's what I also feel like I've been doing, especially with nonfiction. Uh, I don't do a lot of independent reading. Mostly that's, I was in a transition for a little while um, and I'm still getting to know my resources and what I have. I had to pretty much obliterate my classroom library, but there's a whole, that's neither here nor there. I'm excited to see what this merging looks like because I really yeah, I really need to hear something good. <laughs> I also see it as a future podcast episode or two for us because I totally went all like feet first all in to um, this approach. I mean, I tailored it to myself, right? Yeah. But now I am seeing better way. You know, after you teach something once, you're like, oh, I have all these sticky notes on how to do it, like either virtual or whatever. I use actual post-it notes. And then because I'm a quarter system, I teach everything twice a year. So I have now taught in this fashion three times (laughs) since really picking up that book and it gets more refined and it gets better and better. And the like connections that I've been making and the ways and the strategies and the like design around how to do something, this merging of choice and classic text is like it's so cool. When it works, it's so, and I have barely scratched the surface. So I can't wait for you to read it. So then we can talk about it. Yeah, I definitely have been doing my version of it has not been with independent books. It's been with poetry, nonfiction, things right. like that. I definitely right. think in like, for example, if we talk about like Gatsby or Catcher, you know, like those are two of the major texts in our English three curriculum. Those, the, the real estate, those get in a week is maybe one to two class periods. And then the other class periods are going to be those other things. So I'm excited to see how those other things can be independent reading and student yeah. choice. So there's really a cool. whole section in there on nonfiction. It's very, okay. it's very, it, it's just gonna make you go, Oh yeah, I could totally do it that way. Like It's just like, Oh, totally. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and the way she lays it out is very nice. I like it too. I think that's our reading list for now. We also have some virtual conferences to recommend to you guys um, that are really going to help put things into perspective in a whole different way. 
Absolutely. So I have actually a free conference to share with you all. Um, it is the Teacher Reboot 2020 by Educators to Educators. It is, like I said, totally free. So you can go to the link in our show notes and go register yourself. And it is a two-day do PD in your jammies or sit by the pool and learn from some pretty phenomenal, I think there's over over 70, I can't remember the exact count of presentations. Um, and a lot of the focus for this year's summer reboot is inclusion and really serving and reaching all students. Um, and so I'm actually presenting, I have a presentation that'll be going during one of the days that's about what like restorative justice practices actually look like in a classroom. And I talk through uh, how it worked, what didn't work, and how I made the strategies of restorative practices and restorative justice more functional and meaningful and productive in my classrooms. I actually talk about a lot of things that I did poorly. Um, and there are just so many phenomenal educators who are presenting. And it's, yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Educators to educators, Teacher Reboot, Reboot 2020. Uh, Carrie actually has a podcast too that's yes. definitely worth a listen. Uh, Carrie works so hard at this conference. It, it is like, this conference is worth hundreds of dollars. I mean, really, oh, if you could be yeah. in one room with all these people, I mean, people, I would pay so much for this conference, but she keeps it free every single year, which is just beyond belief for me. No, it's, it's really incredible. And like, yeah, and it's quality. That's the other that's the other thing I really like respect about Carrie Conover, who who we're talking about. If you guys don't know who we're talking about, she's the um creator of Educators to Educators. She is like a slow and steady wins the race. She wants to make sure that everything she promotes and aligns herself with is quality. And um I really respect that and I like being a part of the organization. So we're also gonna shout out a close to home workshop. As many of you guys who have listened to our earlier episodes probably know, uh, Marie and I met at Keeping the Wonder, which is a workshop run by uh, Ashley Bible, Abby Gross, Jenna Copper, and Stacey Lamb. And these four girls developed a beautiful workshop that's specifically designed for English teachers, all meant to inspire teachers to remember that reading is magical. It transports us and we want to give that experience to our students. And so they, they created Keeping the Wonder, I want to say maybe two or three years ago now. Um, and they've done two sessions a year in different places around the country. Of course, this year's Sedona experience had to be canceled uh, due to COVID, um, but the girls are offering their virtual conference. And so the virtual conference um, is a library of videos from all of the previous uh, conferences, all of the presenters at their conferences have created videos to go with um, their live presentations. So the library of videos is extensive. Um, Marie and I are both in that. Yeah, you'll see a couple of familiar faces and hear some voices you might recognize from this podcast. Yes. Their, their <laughs> mission, you guys, is all about keeping the whimsy, the magic, and the wonder in learning. And if there's something <laughs> that I'm going to definitely need this fall. It's going to be remembering how to have fun um, and how to remember that magical part of teaching when we are struggling with all of the things. Like yeah. the fall of 2020 is going to be rough. Um, 
it's going to have highlights, but it's going to be tough. And I think keep having, keeping the wonder in your back pocket is going to be something really nice because you can refer back to the videos as much as you want once you've purchased your virtual membership. So I think that's going to be really nice for you guys to have. So and we'll put a link in the show notes for you. The beauty too of keeping the wonder, the virtual conference is that every time they update new content, once you're a member, you're already, you, it's available to you. So that's, that's a pretty cool feature, right? There. Yes. And these, these girls do hard, thoughtful work all year round on this. And yep. it's just, it's a privilege to be part of it. And Marie and I are both affiliates. Like we're helping, you know, helping to spread the word. So if you click on our, our link in the show notes, we'll, we'll get a little commission. Um, but we just, we genuinely believe in their platform and what they're up to. And that's why we presented with them um, last year. And I definitely um, would do it again when we can travel again. <sighs> When we can travel again. Ugh, well, friends, be here soon. on that note, when we can travel again. Now, we hope that this list of books and online workshops, the conference that we are mentioning, um, at least give you, if you are at a place where you're like, I am overwhelmed by resources, it's kind of like when COVID-19 started, <laughs> where there was like all of these resources for like distance and online learning and teachers went, oh my gosh, where do I even start? That's the same sort of things. Our, the market has been flooded in a very good way with anti-bias and anti-racist resources. And so I think that a lot of teachers go, my brain is dead from distance learning. Where do I even start? I don't know how to think. Start in the places that we are showing you and then branch out from there. And don't forget strategy is part of it. It's not just the what you're going to teach, but the how you're going to teach it to make sure it's productive and effective. And all of the things we talked about are linked in our show notes. Hey, Amanda, let's, uh, let's throw something else at them. When we've been talking about mindfully designing curriculum and bringing in good content and doing it right what oh my we, gosh. What do we I'm have so for our excited. friends? I'm so excited, you guys. Okay, I'm going to put the video at the end of the show notes so you guys can see this video we made. But Marie and I have been working our patooshes off on building a course for you guys, a like full-blown course. And we are calling it Curriculum Rehab. And we are going to walk you guys through, like handheld, walk you through how to dismantle or simply revise your year curriculum at a glance. We're going to take you through how to build a curriculum map from start to finish with all of the goodies like essential questions, assessments, lesson planning, all of that stuff. We were going to help you guys do that already. We've been working on this since April, um, but it'll be ready for you guys August 2020. Curriculum rehab. Yeah. By the end of the course, uh, teachers will have a map, a detailed outline map of exactly what they're teaching for a year long that makes sense, that's cohesive, that all goes to a central objective and end point. And we cannot wait to share it with you guys. So sign up for just kind of updates and to stay in the loop um, on our show notes. And we will make sure that you are getting all of the most relevant information about curriculum rehab as it's ready for you. Um, we're also going to have, of course, special listener discounts. Um, so make sure you guys get on that list for us so that we know who's interested and we can kind of get in touch with you as soon as we have things to share. Absolutely. And until we meet again, friends, please, if you have a moment, 
head over to iTunes and give our podcast a little rating, a little review. We love it because it then helps other educators find us. And so we can keep growing this Brave New Teaching community. We are also on Instagram at Brave New Teaching and we will be sharing our summer endeavors. Happy summer, everyone. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.